0: All right, so let's we'll start, uh, we'll start with the first piece. Parshas uh, Is it on safari? I think so, yeah. It is on safari. Okay, so the Rebbe's, Rebbe's Yardzai, it's this, uh, this coming Shabbos. This coming Shabbos. Chai Teves, Yod Teves. This is Yardzai. All right, so we'll learn a little bit about just the, the descent of Yaakov, of, you know, and the family, B'nai Yisrael, into... Into Mitzrayim. I'll try to do two, maybe two longer pieces. Okay, so we'll start with the first piece. It's a short parsha. There's 85 Pesukim in this week's parsha. 85 gmatri mila, Peh, apah. The kalacha divur and the kalacha brzmila. Two things that Mitzrayim perverted and opposed. A lot to think about there. Alright, so says the Majjush, you know the everyone knows the Majjush. Vayichi Yaakov. Rashi brings it at the beginning of the parsha. Vayichi Yaakov, and Yaakov lived. Yaakov lived 17 years in Mitzrayim. Interesting that the parsha that begins Gullus is Vayichi Yaakov v'Eretz Mitzrayim. That's where Yaakov got his chiyas from. Yeah, that's part of the the Torah's message. That Yaakov, as we'll see, some, in a certain sense, the best years of his life were the last 17 years of his life in Mitzrayim. Yaakov lived to the age of 147. And he told Parah, I'm 130 years old. The last 17 years, 17 Gematria Tov, Tov years, the good years of Yaakov's life were the last 17 years of Mitzrayim. So it says the Medrash, Yachi Lama Parsha Zustuma. Why is this parsha closed up? Why is there no break like we usually find between the sections of the Torah? Right? Space, why is there no, no breathing room? Lama Parsha Zustuma. That once Yaakov Avinu passed away. So the shibud, the the enslavement of the Jewish people began in Mitzrayim. Okay, that's how he brings it here from the Medrash. I'll just read you Rashi's lashon because the language is important. The way Rashi brings it in the first Rashi in the parsha, lama parsha zustuma. Why is this parsha closed up? The fish akev and Avinu nistemu einayim velibam shel Yisrael hashibud when Yaakov Avinu died, the, the eyes and the hearts of Kal Yisrael closed up from the Shivud, that he began to enslave them. Okay? And Davor Acher, we'll see, we'll come back to this also. Rashi says, Bikesh Yaakov, Bikesh a he wanted to reveal the end of days to his sons, and it was closed up. He wasn't able to be Magal the kids. All right. So questions like this. And that's interesting, right? Vayichia, on the words Vayechi Yaakov, you're already telling me that when Yaakov dies, going to, there's going to be a, a Gullis. Then why is that on the words Vayechi Yaakov? That's still, that's, that doesn't happen when Yaakov dies. It doesn't even happen, as we'll see. He's going to ask the question. It doesn't really happen until all the Shvatim die. That's your question. Yeah. Right, it's not, this is not the Haschalas Hagula. When Yaakov dies, they begin to be enslaved. That's, that's simply not true. It's not, that's not the tradition. First of all, I don't understand how how the closing of the parsha implies that the gulus is beginning. Again, uh, he understands it as much as we understand the Hevah. So We understand that Mitzrayim is called the Metzar. Right? Metzar means a boundary, a border. No Jew, the Medjush says, no Jew ever escaped from Mitzrayim. No ever ever escaped from Mitzrayim. So we understand the imagery of like the walls closing in, you know. The, the the chains tightening around us, we get that we get that imagery, right? But but a little deeper, what is this sealing up, this closing up? It's like something was open and now it's being closed. What, we, what was open? What was what were we drawing from? And now it's plugged up. Right? The Rashi we just read that the eyes and the hearts of the Jewish people were closed up from the pain of the from the difficulty of the enslavement. From the Rashi's presentation, it sounds like his words are a little bit his own presentation. Aval if, if it's really the closing up of the hearts and the eyes of Klal Yisrael, so where, again, where, do you, where is that in the Pasach? I'm not seeing that in the Pasach. All I'm seeing is Vayichi right? Yaakov. You're telling me it's a Parsha Stuma? That eventually Klaishel is going to enter into Gullahs? All right, so put that somewhere else. Put that. Put that later on. It doesn't seem to. It doesn't seem to add up. Begam Rashi kasha, and according to Rashi, also we'd have to ask. As long as one of the Shvatim is still alive, there was no shibud. especially in Yosef's lifetime. Brings a different medrash. Shelo niftar Yaakov avino shishim halatzav. Yaakov didn't die until he saw six hundred thousand descendants. Right? What does that mean? Six hundred thousand. Shishim Ribo daika hein hein klal anfei Kadusha. Says our Rebbe, six hundred thousand always is the, the roots, the branches from which Kadusha emerges. That's the, the basic framework of a klal yisrael. I in Shumpa Parshes ha morosoyakov kishiar le go back and look over there in vaigosh arheim kadosh ben fears upon coming to mitrayim the cloud var in essentially what he says there is inian <spacing> how you read the mitrayim haylahoti nitsozos hatkuim the clepas mitrayim shugo tuma hayose gedola mitrayim was a mission to recover those sparks that were sunken into the greatest toma to recover those holy sparks that had fallen into the lowest places. A very dangerous mission. Going into deep, going into the deep mud to bring out a diamond. And dafke in that place, it was a very, again, there were great holy sparks and it was a very great Tumah. When we talk about the 600,000 who got the Torah, those are the 600,000 diamonds, the 600,000 Jewish souls, the 600,000 sparks that were retrieved from that filth of Mitzrayim. And Yaakov was the you know the general in charge of the mission to to excavate to bring out to to, to recover these sparks from within the Kleipa. Yaakov, so to speak, plucked out, and he's going to give a beautiful mashal in a second to describe it, like a big clump of dirt, and everyone's like, what is that? Yaakov's like, we're now going to refine it, and you're going to see there's a diamond here. In other words, Yaakov had the eyes to be able to what? To discover, so to speak, the the, the sparks, but then they had to go through a period of Shibud, a cleansing process and a healing process, right? Again, to sift through it and to, to cleanse it in order to then make those sparks, which are the 600,000 souls, root souls of Klael Yisrael, ready for Kabbalah satorah And he writes here, all of this is built on Kisve Arizo. So now our Rebbe says, let me give you a mashal to try to make it clear. He says in the bottom paragraph, I'll try to make this more sensible with a mashal let's talk about the the qualitative refinement of what of silver what does silver look like when you first extract it when you first discover it and how does one refine silver from its from its impurities from its dross when a person first extracts a, a, a piece of silver from the ground it looks just like a clot of dirt But a person who's an expert, who has eyes to see, he understands, He recognizes in that cloud of dirt, He recognizes that it has certain properties, that there's silver to be extracted here. And with all sorts of, again, all sorts of treatments, he's able to what? He's able to extract the the fine silver. But before you do that, before you start putting it into all sorts of mixtures, right? before you start putting it into all sorts of things, and it's an art, it's a skill, right? to be able to, to clean, to polish, to, to refine, before a person gets to that, first you have just this, this clot of, of earth that has certain minerals that are recognizable as what? As being, as being silver. So before one comes to that malacha, you wouldn't call that silver if you tried to sell that to someone. Look, I have this, right? I have this big bag of silver. Big bag of silver looks like a big bag of, bag of dirt. What do you mean, silver? We wouldn't call this at that point it's not called silver. Ah, to the, to the trained eye, it has the potential of silver. But it's not yet silver. It can't be marketed as silver at this point. But when the craftsman Again seeks out the right piece of dirt <laughs> he recognizes I can extract X amount of silver right sparks or, or literally sparks but silver uh, pieces from this uh, from this you know from this lump of dirt by the time he's able to extract x amount of silver. That's measurable, that's marketable as silver. It's gone through all the treatments, fine. Then it's called kesef. At that point, it may be recognizable as kesef, but it still has maybe certain um, unrefined dirt that's clinging to it. That's still clinging to it from that which it came. So he'll do this whole process, again, of striking it with a hammer and on the anvil in order to, again, to continue to refine it further and further. He boils it up and he puts it in certain uh, chemicals and he he bangs it. Until he refines it completely, that there's no impurity that clings to it. Below To the point that what? That you can't even tell where it came from. In other words, again, when we're talking about silver, we're talking about a diamond, right? There's a starting point where it looks like a rock. Then there's a point where it looks like a diamond, but you can still identify that it came from a rock or it came from the dirt. Then it becomes so refined that I look at my wife's Shabbos candlesticks, you know? Look at the lachter, look at my kiddush cup, right? I, this came from the ground. It's hard to imagine such a thing. You don't see it as even being rooted in the dirt anymore right? There's a point again he says where it's identifiably only as silver to the point that it's no longer even associated with the dirt from which it came, but it's not fully refined. teva saafar. right? It still has internally it uh, has certain qualities that need to be removed, and it's not going to properly bind together, I'm not going to fashion a beautiful silver candelabra or menorah out of it until I uh, remove all of the dross and all of the impurity, you put it into a hot furnace, and the fire will burn off any remaining impurities. And then, and then, then I'll remove any last trace of anything that's that's uh, imperfect, making it into a solid lump of, uh, of real, genuine, pure silver. So let's think about this. This uman, this craftsman, kasher Yertza, lassos kli So someone says, I want you to make me this big, beautiful, you know, menorah. Okay. Well, how much silver do I need? Depending on how big the project is. So when the craftsman sets out to make a fashion, a large vessel, a large kli of kesef, so he needs X amount of that starting material, which he'll then refine and eventually extract to, to make sure he has enough kesef. When he begins that process and he starts to identify that this is no longer just called dirt. Now I can start to call it silver. So he has to constantly measure to make sure that what? Do I have enough silver for the project? Maybe I need more raw material. He's not going to go on to the second stage, the third stage of the project until he has enough. If he doesn't have enough, again, of the silver as a starting point for the vessel that he's intending to fashion, So he's not going to go on to the second stage of banging with the anvil or putting it in the fire. He's got to first get the raw material. He'll take more, again, from that uh, place of, of dirt. Once he has enough, he's completed stage one, then he can take all of his findings and bring it to stage two. Okay? What is this all a mashal for? When he finishes stage one completely. So then, what does he do? He closes up the, the, the hole from which he's drawing his dirt. Where he took his unrefined, again, clod of earth from. So then he closes, so to speak, the source where he was originally drawing from. He closes that up. He's done over there. And now he moves on to stage two. Okay. So, says the Rebbe on the top of the next page, (laughs) Shinsadites. Hashem has a project called Klal Yisrael. And it's going to take some time to take it through various stages. But Hashem says, first I need to identify, I need to find the, the raw material. I need to find, so to speak, the origin of those 600,000 souls. I need to get those nitsotsos, namely the shishem riboy nitsotsos, the 600,000 sparks. Now he writes here in parentheses, it's known, hagam shem We do have an interesting tradition that reish bes nitsotsos hayim b'mitzrayim. That there are 288 fallen sparks from the beginning of time. 202 of them, the overwhelming majority of them, are found in Mitzrayim. Hainu Rav Merapach, 202 from 286, 288, I'm sorry, which means that there's 86 left after we left Mitzrayim. Think about it, we got out of Mitzrayim early. We were able to be Mvarer, again, whatever any of this means. We could have a shir on this, maybe, right, but not now. We got 202 of the 288 sparks we finished in its the time. There's 86 more Nitzotsos that have to be collected throughout history, throughout Gullus. All right. So right now we're finishing up. Where are we holding? Of the 288, how many have we collected? Right. Why is he raising this? He's raising this because he said, wait, hold on. I thought we were talking about 600,000. We're talking about this, this idea of 288 going back to Aldemar Rishon. By the Shvira at the beginning of time, we're we talking about six hundred thousand. So he says, even though yes, there is such a idea of this, these two hundred and eighty-eight original sparks, Kadmain, But when we talk about the division of souls, we talk about six hundred thousand branches, and from those six hundred thousand branches, Ain Mispar. There's no limits to how many pieces emerge from those root those roots and those, those you know, foundational branches. So you're trying to figure out where do I fit into all of this, right? Where do I, each of us, fit into all of this? There's more than 600,000 Jews. Certainly throughout history there have been more than 600,000 Jews. So what are these 600,000 souls, right? Do I not have a soul? So he says, no, no, a soul can be divided into many, 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 chalakim. Every one of us is a piece of a soul. We're also Gilgulim. We're reincarnated. We're coming back to rework our souls. Okay, so so don't be stared by that. But the bottom line is, Hashem had a project. Hashem saw something that the world didn't see. To say it very simply. Mitzvahim saw us as a bunch of dirt. right? Lowly dirt to, to be used to, to carry out whatever lowly malacha they had us involved in. And Hashem, or embodiment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as, uh, as the tzaddik Yaakov Avinu, saw the potential of a khaliso, right? And He understood that we have to go on a deep mission to go deep into Mitzrayim, to somehow recover these sparks, to, to find, again, the essence of Klai Yisrael. So buried in the deepest dirt, in the impurities, the sexually immoral society of Mitzrayim. One could only see, if one looked at it superficially, you'd only see the physicality of Mitzrayim. But the great craftsman, Baruch, himself, <laughs> Hashem knew what? The fiery the fi- <laughs> Zikuk means like the fiery uh, you know flashes of light. <laughs> Hashem was able to see the fire burning inside. <laughs> Hashem recognized that there's six hundred thousand sparks here that can be refined. Mamish fire buried in dirt. Can somehow be refined, diamonds, precious gems. Right? Kelim that can be molded and refined to receive the 600,000 letters of the Torah, which again, also we don't really have 600,000 letters in the Torah, but we have a tradition of an idea of 600,000 souls, 600,000 letters. So we go through the process. hashivim anafim First, Hashem brought down the 70 roots of Yaakov's family, right? The 70 souls who came down to Mitzrayim. Asher heim evin hasho eves. That was like an Evan HaShueves, like a magnet, to be able to suck out all the Kedusha Right, That was the metal detector, the 70 root souls of Klal Yisrael. To draw out all the sparks of Kedusha. And then all of a sudden, we started to become a, a Klal right? There was Bnei Yaakov, there was the family of Yaakov, but then we started to become B'nai Yisrael. Hinei kasher nigmara hamalacha So after what? After the family, after Kal Yisrael started to, you know, find itself in Mitzrayim and, and become numerous in Mitzrayim. What was the end of last week's partial? He's going to quote it in a little bit. But the end of last week's partial was what? Was the fact that Kal Yisrael settled in Mitzrayim. We settled in Goshen. We're starting to grow, right? We're gathering the raw material of a Kal Yisrael. And then we start Parshas Vayechi, and all of a sudden, what? Right? There's a, there's a Parsha Stuma. What does it mean it's a Parsha Stuma? It means that, that that place, that quarry from where, you know, the silver was being initially extracted, right? The, the you know, the, whatever, this well, this wellspring of, of holiness from which we were being drawn, we've taken out everything that we need to get started. We have the raw material. Now we close it up, put the cover back on the, you know, for now we have what we need in terms of material. And now we begin the refinement process. Once we gather it again, all of those sparks, which will eventually be refined and prepared to make the Kli, to receive the Torah, which is us. We become the Kli, we become that silver vessel. Now it's like closing up the well, closing up the source. That's it. This is it. These are the 600,000 that are going to receive the Torah. Ah, where do we fit into that again? We're all pieces of that. We're a branch of that. But Hashem took, He gathered exactly what he needed, and then he closed it up. Now I have all the raw materials to make the vessel that Hashem intended to make. So now, just like in the Moshel, it's called dirt. And then after, right? then we start the process and it starts to be called kesef, it starts to be called silver. So so too, we go from being Bnei Yaakov, right? now we start to become Bnei Yisrael, we're not there yet, we worked 210 years in Right, And that's what we see. We've, we were on the 49th level of Tumah. There was a long refinement process to get through it. Just like you have to what? You take the you take the unrefined raw uh, minerals, the, the metal. The silver, right? And you put it into a fire, right? You burn off some of the dross and then you beat it to knock out some of the dross. So that's what Shiva Mitzrayim was. We took a beating, right? We faced the fires. We faced all these challenges, right? It's a, it's a very painful, again, from the materials side of things. It's a very painful process to refine the silver, to bring out the best of the silver. It needs heat and it takes a beating, Right, and it's put into all sorts of uncomfortable uh, chemicals, right? And all of that, the kasher titom gamham kiteva offer and yet it still has what? It still had a little bit of what? Even after it looks completely like silver, the expert knows, no, no, no. Even on the inside, there's still some there's still some impurities that need to be extracted. He named an Bisokh core. We talk, we call mitzrayim the core habarzel. The fiery furnace that refined us. To remove, again, any of those impurities. And then, again, what happens if you try to mold the silver together before you remove all the impurities? It'll fall apart. It'll be a cheaply made item. If you want to be able to really mold it together, right? you want it to last, That it should truly cling properly so you have to remove any of the impurities so for our clay is all to be kiisha khad b'leivachad at harsina, to mamish cling as one so we have to go through a long process v'hago si'gi this is what the passage describes in Mishle, right? like the extraction of dross from the silver v'yaytzeh letzorif and then it can go out to be fashioned into a kli. Right? Kli, of course is kohanim olivim, and yisraelim right? we're different but we're also a unity a unified entity called klah so. yeah much is sure like a midrash or I saw somewhere in all that Hashem like had to take us out at that moment. Otherwise we would have, you know, right. would send to the, the level two Tumai, we would have been gone. Right. So how does that relate to this? We're saying you can't, you need to make sure that the silver goes through the furnace. Otherwise, right. Take it out too soon. Right. It's a good question. It seems like we're trending in the wrong direction almost. Right. In other words, we were righteous. Fa- we were righteous. family. We were pretty good to begin. And then we came to Australia and we became numerous and then we sort of spiritually descended. It seems like again, like we were we were picking up more of the impurity. And then, you know, so what, where was the refinement happening at that point, right? In other words, all the suffering Mitzrayim, which was seems to have been moving us down in terms of levels of toma, so how is that a refinement? And again, the Makos reversed that process, Kriyas Yamsov further cleansed us off. Right? And the truth is the forty years of uh of, of wandering in uh you know in, in the desert, also, is part of that preparation. Even after, even after Kabbalah Satora, we're still not ready for Eretz Yisrael, right? Some Reb used to say it, it didn't take us so long to get out of Mitzrayim, but it took forty years to get Mitzrayim out of Klal Yisrael. In other words, that last stage of, of getting out, the last traces that have been absorbed, right, into the kishkas of a Jew, that's a hard process. Yeah. On second, question: is, is, which way is it working? saying that those we're trying? To are within us or within Also, a little, right, a little unclear. What do you think? Right, in other words... I just always assumed it was in the land. It, it, it sounded, sounded like he said it. that a little bit. Shema, it, right? it sounds like the 70 members of Yaakov's family went down to Mitzrayim as a, as a magnet. He calls them a magnet. An Evan Hashua, Hashua Eves, it's a magnet, to Lishov, to draw out of the most surprising place, the most beautiful sparks. But then he it's sort of like we absorbed that into ourselves, right? And we became that. So became the tribe? We didn't become itsrayim, but we took we took the we took the fallen sparks of Adam Risha that had landed in itsraim. And somehow that becomes fashioned eventually into Klai Yisrael. So. Uh, right? So then, and then that, and as the family grew and we gathered these sparks and we became one with those sparks. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's more of a, of a year, you know, to to take some to take an environment that seems very distant, very Kli oriented, and try to you know, infuse. Right, but that the second, that Klai Yisrael is really crafted out of the, extracted from the Tumimutzayim. Right? Like, we're, are we gathering ourselves? We're we gathering something else and absorbing it into ourselves to expand ourselves to then make then we become the cleat to be the Torah. It's it's a I don't know. There's a part to talk about why Daf Kli Like, did did Hashem did he didn't specify Mitzrayim. He said, right. there are any strangers in the land." Hashem background. didn't specify Mitzrayim, but obviously, Bashka it was Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim's erev asaharit, and why dafka from a place of such immorality? Again, there's a very strong relationship, and it's a good lead into Shovvim habaleinu le'tova. But there's a strong there's a strong relationship between 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 sexual intimacy and Torah. In other words, the Rambam says that a person, right, a person only gets involved in sexually immoral behavior if their heart is, is uh, you know, empty of Torah. Ram at the end of So there is a certain sexual attraction, a funny way to say it, but there's a certain almost sexual desire that one should have for Torah. This insatiable longing for Torah. So out of a place that was kind of the, the okay, ultimate perversion right. of that, right? We married Hashem in our Sinai. Right? It's a very, it's a very intimate relationship we have with Hashem. It requires a, a degree of faithfulness. We saw Ch- Chet whatever that was, was a struggle early on in the marriage. It was, um, was it also Canaan? Also pretty bad. Like, like yeah, yeah, Avram and Yitzhak are like very marked You can't marry a girl from right from Canaan. Right. So this is the work of a Jew, to somehow to make a dira betachtonim, to go to the lowest places, and to, to build, you know, to create uh, places of holiness, to extract and to refine that place and to mold ourselves through that experience. That's what it sounds like. All right, so that's his, that's his mashal. All right, so let's get to the punchline. So he says, The bottom paragraph. The bottom paragraph. So now let's roll it back. What did Hashem tell Avram? Did Hashem tell us that it was going to be this way? Hashem said, They're going to be strangers in a land that's entirely not for them. From the beginning, again, of this process of forming a family, Avram's already told, right? that there's going to be an initial family, and that's going to evolve into the Shishim Rebo, the 600,000 who are going to receive the Torah. <speaking> in <Hebrew> Initially, you're going to be like a clod of dirt. Recognize, you're going to be an Eretz, you're going to be earth, you're going to be dirt. You're not going to be recognized as, as being uh, precious materials. But when you're extracted from that land, right? or literally when you leave that land, right? when they leave that land, then they're going to be recognized as, oh, this is this is the Zera Hashem, right? This is the blessed family of Hashem. Then you're going to go through this, or this experience will happen through your servitude. Then the Shiva process will begin. In other words, once you first have fa- found the, the family, right, the roots, the, the dirt, then you'll go through the process of refining. To remove the Tumah from them. And then you'll suffer further. And again, this is all different stages, the Kor HaBarzel, in order to, to further remove any impurities. Yeah, to be able to create that oneness that only Klai Yisrael could embody. And those who are not fit to cling, to attach, will be burnt by the fire. And that was an unfortunate reality. Four-fifths of Klai Yisrael was left behind, whatever that means. Right? So there was a lot that was burnt off. Only the really the finest was able to emerge. Those were those who died during those three days of darkness our tradition says maybe as much as four-fifths of a quality, so. Right? And sacha Kol, this whole experience of, of exile and suffering and affliction is going to be again, a process really from the time that Avram begins to have a family. Okay. Right? once Avram has a Yitzchak, which is the branch that's going to merge into other branches, to the seventy, to the six hundred thousand, that's the process of uh, of this Gaulist experience, which is going to form the Jewish people. So now we come to our parsha. the parsha The told us Yaakov was worried. Yaakov was concerned. What's going to be? Right, where are the 600,000? Yaakov, again, had the, had the bird's eye view as the tzadik of the, of the whole mission. And he was worried, what's going to be? I'm concerned <laughs> until I see 600,000, until I see the possibility, until I have, again, was it 600,000 mamish, refined? No, not refined. Not refined until we get to Kabbalah, Satorah, and beyond. But until Yaakov saw that all the pieces were in place, Yaakov was uh, concerned for for completing the mission but once he had 600,000, he saw, now we have the branches of Kedusha. Now at least, again, it's going to take some time, but now at least they're called B'nai Yisrael, they're not called dirt anymore. Right? And now this process of Geiros is, is uh, complete, is understood at least. Which is the Shibud, Right, geirus is the stage one of feeling like a stranger in a strange land. Stage two is the further affliction, the, enslavery, the enslavement and the slavery. Stage three is the real oppressive, right? The worst part of Mitzrayim, by the way, were those last years in Mitzrayim, the last 80-some years of Mitzrayim was really the worst part, the last 86 years from the time Miriam was born. That was really the worst stage of the of the suffering. Right? That's the, the Shibud, that's the Va'avadum, that uh, they're going to be uh, servants. Vineh Hagam she calls man she lo hayo shibud and if you'll tell me what do you mean there was no real shibud from the time that Yaakov died until all the shvatim were the original sons of Yaakov are gone true hineh hisha Hashem bisparach malachto ashnia kviyachol bezchos ha shvatim it's true Hashem slightly delayed that second stage in the merit of the shvatim aval im kol zeh keven shikar nigmer hamalacharishona but since stage one. The initial gathering of the raw materials was complete, so that's called the beginning of stage two. Uh, did it practically happen? No, not for, not for a period of time. So he says that's what it means, parsha stuma. Parsha stuma again was the, the lid was taken off, the raw materials were gathered. Yaakov saw, Yaichi Yaakov, Yaakov saw. Okay, now the pieces are in place for a klal Yisrael to be called klal Yisrael. Right? How does how does Shemos begin? The elashemos B'nai Yisrael. Oh, now there's a B'nai yisro. <laughs> now there's a B'nai yisro. Not, not really. It was a long process. Yeah, but now, now we have the raw material to make a B'nai yisro. And now, parsha stuma, we close up kind of the earlier chapter of okay, the possibility of a klai yisro. We have the raw materials, and now we go through the process of uh, of refining, All right? And that's how he concludes the piece. If the shenifter Yaakov didn't die, he says, until he saw 600,000 emerging. Now the shibud began. Again, not the literal enslavement, but now stage two of the process of refining Kla Yisrael began. And all of this is what? The wellspring from which we were being drawn, where the sparks were going to be taken from, was now closed. We have the raw materials, and now the real. Refining process begins. That's how he, he learns the Rashi. Okay, it's an important muscle just to frame the whole, the whole thing. Can we do one more piece? Can we do one more piece? A related piece? Anyone can stick around a couple more minutes? Right, everyone has to, has to bounce. Let's do, just turn the page. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. Again, it's a related piece, but it's a very good muscle. Another really good muscle. It's a little shorter, this next piece. I'm right on page to Tough Doll, 404, in the bottom right hand corner. Again, same question, same idea, but he gives a, he, he brings in another medrash, which I think is maybe I should have just started with that piece. But I, this is an important this is an important understanding. Again, he's alluding, alluding to a lot of Kisve arizal and the formation of klai on the uh, the tikon of uh, the shvira sakelim, gathering the sparks. It begins Odba medrash, yeah. Another question: like, Is it Shata in chay time, or do the chiyus from it? Right. Like, did Yaakov provide the chias, or did he get the land of time. Right. He brought he brought to the land of Mitzrayim. Right, right. It's probably both, honestly. Because yeah. when the Sada came to Mitzrayim right? The famine? Then was the he, he brought an end to the famine. So he brought life to the land. But also, as the as the magnet, he was drawing... He was, you know, sucking up all of the Kedusha from the land, gathering it to be molded into the Kli, which would be makabal the to Torah. Okay, but let's see. Let's see this other piece. Oud b'medrish Parsha ha'saparsha b'yechi ya'akob erat vitzrayim. So parsha's parshah z'ustuma mikol parshas Again, why is it a parsha stuma? Elakeven sh'niftah ya'akov hizchila shibu d'mitzrayim al yisrael. Ad kam Okay, Lo no de hadavar b'stimus haParasha. Again, how is this hinted to in the fact that there's no space between the end of last week's parasha and the beginning of this week's parsha? We'll Rashi ha'ikar chaser min ha'sefer. Again, Rashi doesn't seem to really explain how a closed parsha reveals the beginning of uh, the Shebud. V'gam iafsholomar should take off acher petiras Yaakov hischal ha'shibud. The shibud didn't start immediately after Yaakov. Ha'ray Yosef Melech haya od nun dal in shana. Uh, Yosef was still a king for another 54 years. Okay. So he says, I want to answer it with the following question that Hashem asked Avram Ravida. Ready for this medrash? Fascinating. Avram, pick. What are my choices? What do you want your kids to go through a shibur of? How do you want your your shibud to take place? Do you want it to be in Gehenna, or do you want it to be in an exile experience right? by foreign nations? And Yaakov said, "I want my children to go through exile in this world, not Gehenna, not Gehenna." shekvar so based on this marriage, what there's no such thing, we don't believe in Gehenim? I thought we do believe in Gehenim, says our Rabbi. Avam put an end to Gehenim because we took all of our punishment from Gaulus. I'd be pretty shocked if that was true. We have so many sources that talk about what happens, you know, the refinement of the soul beyond this world in Gehenim. or Saros Harosh, it'll put your hair on ends, you know. It's for some frightening stuff you find in the Zohar and the Gemaras, the Midrashim, even in the words of the Nevi'im and the Svar So what's the pshat? He chose. He chose Malchias, not Gehanim. We'll understand this matter if we pay close attention. What did Hashem say? Where do you want your shibud to be? Do you want your Shebud to be Gehenim? Or do you want your Shebud to be by the Malchios? What's the Pshan? Yehi Gehenim, Shibud Mikri. Onesh would be Yisurim. Is Gehenim called... What, what are you doing, Gehenim? You're a slave in Gehenim? I thought it's some type of refining punishment process of Yesurin, of suffering. The pains of Gehenim. Is it like a Shibud? You work in Gehenim? How does that work? Is that what he just developed with Shibu That... Uh, even yeah, but is that what the soul goes through in Gehenna? You're, you're, you're building pyramids. That, that's the that's the shibud of Gehenna. Of time, we have a concept of that. What's, what's shibud Gehenna? So he says, beautiful, very beautiful. About tisboni and hanirza. The says, I'll give you another mussel. Sort of a muscle right? uh, To understand this from something of this world. <laughs> Lo, a person's diagnosed with illness. And they're a person of sound mind. And he understands, I'm going through an illness. He understands the ramifications of that illness. He understands that there's a course of treatment, Hashem, that there's a a path of treatment for this illness. Whether it's a surgical procedure, whether it's medicine, he understands it's not comfortable. Nothing about what he's going to go through is comfortable. Whether it's a surgery, or whether it's some type of medicine with all of its side effects, but it has a proven record to heal. A gift that Shem gave the world rofe and he sees a faithful doctor right he sees a faithful doctor, a skilled doctor a trusted doctor, a caring doctor and he sees how much the doctor and his love for him wants him to get better he wants him to heal and he gives him all sorts of very bitter medicines right? things that a healthy person would never want to put in their body Chemotherapy is a crazy thing. How do you heal a person who who has uh, cancerous cells in their body? By poisoning those cells. You put poison in the body to heal the body. But a person of sound mind understands the doctor is doing this to heal me. It's not a comfortable process. It may have many side effects. It's against my nature. Under normal circumstances, I would never put something like that on my body. But he understands this is the necessary process of healing. Even though it's against the the cheshek of his teva, of course, right. So for such a person, when he goes through that treatment, he's choosing it. Doesn't <laughs> wishes he wasn't sick, but once he's in that situation, he understands he's choosing it. He's not being forced into it. He understands he's signing off. He's consenting to the treatment. <inaudible> he's not meshubed to the to, to the to the to the treatment. Right? We wouldn't say about such a chola that he's what? That he's enslaved, that the doctor. You know, the Nazi doctors, right? Mengla who is doing all sorts of evil experimentation on Jewish children and the like, and adults. right So that's a shibud. That's a shibud of a person in the hands of an evil doctor. But a person, the doctor, it's a gift, a shem Right. The doctor has the permission to heal me, and Hashem allowed us with uh, modern discoveries to figure out how to treat an illness. It's a valid thing. Right? So, since the person of sound mind, everything the doctor is doing to me, as painful as it is, is for the betterment of for my healing. What happens lo if you have a person who's not of sound mind? Right? a child let's say who's going through an illness and doesn't understand what's happening right and the parents are forcing this child to go through right you're giving the child the shot and the kid's screaming why are my parents torturing me child doesn't understand this is for your benefit a person lo who is not mentally sound a person doesn't grasp doesn't understand the illness and doesn't understand the healing he feels the doctor hates me. The doctor is punishing me. The doctor is putting this heavy burden upon me that I have to take all these medicines that make me feel so nauseous and sick. Sometimes you have to force open the mouth of that person to take to swallow the pill. Right? Because the person is refusing the treatment because they don't realize it's so good for them. Such a person feels that he's mishubat, rofe. The doctors just try to harm me, which is, of course, the opposite of the truth. So Hashem says to Avram Avinu, listen carefully, look what Hashem says to Avram. Hashem says, Avram Avinu, where do you want your children's Shebud to be? They're going to go through a period of Shebud, in other words, they're going to go through a period of suffering that they don't understand. It could be in this world. It could be a Hester pun of a concealment of Hashem in this world to the point where, like, why is Hashem doing this to us? Or it could be in Gehenna it can be in Gehenna you can be in Gehenna and, and not understand why is punishing me Avram said I'd rather when the Jews are in Gehenna well, he wasn't saying there's no Gehenna when an Eshamal leaves your body when, when, at the end of 120 when our lives are over right and we have to pay off any outstanding debts in Gehenna we're not going to fight it it's a painful process is it the cleansing of the soul the Svaram say scary things Rebbe just told us it's not a simple thing but you're not going to have any sveikos about what's happening. You're going to know it's in the it's part of the cleansing of the soul because Hashem loves me. When when you live in a world like this of Hester Panim, and people are calling for the destruction of Claudius right? And you hear Loalenu every day Jews being murdered, right? He said, then you say, where, where are your bonosham? That's what Avram chose. Avram chose that shibud. Shibud means that I, it, it's burdensome to me. I don't understand what's going on. So that's what Avram was asked. He hanishol Avram gehenem hamalchios. Hashem yisvach haneman. You have to realize that Hashem is always a faithful doctor. And anything we go through in this world is for our healing. It's for our refua. He's mishtadol b'refua so. But when we know it, when we recognize that, it's a different experience. He lanu davar yirtzo. So when I understand what's happening to me, shuv and then I'm no longer enslaved. It's not painful the same way. It's considered what a, a joyous thing. It's healing. So when Hashem cleanses us and heals us from our sins, when I realize that that's that's the best for me, so it's not a punishment. But the problem is that if it's also clear to me, so then. Then it's like it's not even, it's like not fair. In other words, I can't call it a punishment if I know that it's like it's all good. You hear? If Hashem, if it was always so clear to us, then then, then even the punishment is geshmakh. So Hashem says, you ah, have to choose a part of a punishment that's going to feel like a punishment." Be'emes is not a punishment. Is, every bit of Yiddish suffering in history is is really refuah, but it feels like a punishment. So where do you choose to where do you want it to feel like a punishment? Avram said, I want it to feel like a punishment in this world. That's what he chose. Right? I'm gonna choose that in this world it's gonna feel like a punishment. Where do you want it to feel like a shipur? That they don't appreciate that it's all for the best. Do you want that in Gehenim or Bamalchias? Avram said, I want it by Malchias. As he quotes the Gemara in Erevin, that in Gehenna a person says <laughs> Hashem. I have no excuses in Gehenna. I'm not trying to say uh, you're, not, you're punching me. In Gehenna we're going to say Hashem, you're Hashem Hu Elochim. Hashem is just. The It's a big joy for the soul. Harofe Haneman When we recognize that it's uh, that it's Hashem who's who's working for our for our benefit. So now with that we understand the Rashi Parsha Stuma. When you understand this, in me Avram, heard about Gullis and he didn't. He didn't, I mean, Pashas in the Psychimbus, he was also a little nervous about it, right? But Avram still got it. He understood that it was for the best. Yitzchak understood it was for the best. Yaakov, I heyakov personally understood. This is all for the best. How could he live the best years? How cruel was Yaakov that he lived the best years of his life as the slavery was starting. BKS Yaakov Legallus as a says that Yaakov wanted to reveal to his children, Gallus is really a bracha in disguise. Hashem didn't let him. Hashem took it away from him. So all the earlier years, Avram Yitzchak Yaakov, they understood the secret. Ume'ata, bottom paragraph, bottom bottom corner. Umeata Tavin suma. But now. Now Hashem said, but part of the deal was that you have to go through it and not understand it. The cave and and they lost those, the eyes of the nation. His Then it started to feel like a shibr. In other words, this is when they started to lose their perspective. But to appreciate how good the galus is, that they didn't feel. Once Yaakov was gone. That's when the that's when the Shibud really began. And with this, he concludes just the last paragraph from the piece. How could the bedjers say that once Yaakov died, that's when things got bad? This is told the Vaichi How do you say that on the words Vaichi Yaakov? It, it's it's one and the same. How did last week's parsha end? They started to be very. Uh, they, they grew greatly, right? V'nistama haparsha, parsha Then all of a sudden, there's a Stimas parsha What? Exactly. L'horos. L'horos m'pnei ma-nistam. Why was it closed up? It was closed up because v'yichi Yaakov b'aretz Yitzrayim. Right? Shavas These 17 years, Yaakov ha-yechoi b'aretz Yitzrayim, hagam shahai yodeya, asher shom yishtavu b'anav. When Yaakov was still alive, even though, in a certain sense, the Sheba would begin, but we don't really we don't feel like, it didn't feel like a shebud. right? The wisdom of Yaakov kept them afloat. By <inaudible> Yaakov, Yaakov gave, right? Giva said, Yaakov gave Chiyas those 17 years because he knew that it was all for the best. Avalka to Yaakov, nistam Then we went into the dark. But it's a big secret. In other words, the punchline, the fact that Yaakov wanted to reveal the kates, that Yaakov wanted to tell us Golis is not so bad, that itself gives us chizik. Ah, I don't have the answers. I still feel like Hashem, what are you doing? It's crazy what's happening in the world right now. Right? But Yaakov is whispering in her ear, I can't tell you exactly how this is good, but trust me, it's good. So even even the Sdimas Saparsha is still hinting to us, Yaakov, Yaakov is giving us Chiyos, just by letting us know that I know something that you don't know, and hopefully if you trust me, that's enough to give you the strength to make it the rest of the way. It's a good muscle. it's an important muscle for life. When you, re- when you have the intellect to realize what you're going through, it makes it, uh, you trust Hashem, it makes the, the painful experience, you know, more manageable. What? We should be with open eyes. Amen. Eye by eye in Yeru. Be'shuva Hashem. Be'shuva Hashem. Be'shuva Hashem. Be'shuva Hashem. Be'shuva